In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, as many of you know, I am a certified music snob. I actually have a piece of paper from Florida State University that says so. It says I'm a certified BA, a Bachelor of Arts in Music. And you know, PJ and I, we're actually probably some of the only people who think the Tom Waits song, Down There by the Train, has a nice spot in the next Lutheran hymnal. So one of the things about music that I really like is the way that you can almost read the inner thoughts and emotions of a musician as they sing. Uh, when I was at music school, I had professors tell me all the time that music is never created in a void, which is to say that an artist's music is usually a reflection of the artist's culture. Um, furthermore, I'd like to think that personal events in an artist's life do just about as much to influence the music that this art, these artists produce. Uh, so... Just think of some of Led Zeppelin's songs. I mean, Misty Mountain Hop, Battle of Evermore. Uh, if you think of those titles for a minute, you realize that somebody in Led Zeppelin really loved Lord of the Rings. Uh, or, you know, if you're like me, a metalhead, and you like Iron Maiden, uh, you realize that the song Out of the Silent Planet is actually a reference to C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Uh, so today's gospel reading, we actually have a song presented to us in the text. Um, and for those of you who are really nerdy about liturgy uh, or about sacred music, uh, you know that this song is called the Magnificat. Uh, usually, though, people just call it Mary's song or the Canticle of Mary. Uh, so what do the words of this song tell us about the person while well, speaking them? Well, first of all, Mary seems to make it abundantly clear that she is very joyful about something. As she sings, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. The actions of God towards Mary filled her innermost being with joy to the point that she couldn't help to do anything but sing. So, we know, actually, that this is for a very good reason. This reading actually comes right after the angel of the Lord visits Mary and tells her that she's going to conceive and bear a child. See, when Mary tells the angel just how ridiculous this sounds due to her being a virgin, uh, the angel actually explains, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. Of course she'd be filled with joy. Actually, it kind of sounds bewildering to me. Uh, something strange, nothing like what has ever happened before, is going to happen to Mary. And sure, God promised uh, children to other people before. I mean, there wouldn't even have been in Israel if God didn't make that promise to Abraham and Sarah. But never before did God promise to somebody that their child would actually be the very son of God. You know, to be honest, I don't think singing would have been my first reaction to this situation. This doesn't seem like a singing situation to me. I mean... 
However, though, uh, Mary wasn't gripped with profound fear or confusion or some strange combination of both. She actually just responds, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. She takes the words of the angel at face value, even though I'm not sure I would have even understood what the angel meant by saying something like, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. What? Come on! But Mary trusts the promise God made to her without question. And immediately after that, she goes to Elizabeth. You know, because that's perfectly normal. Uh, And we see God's response to Mary's faithful words because the Holy Spirit actually speaks through Elizabeth. And what God tells Mary is this. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. See, Mary was actually faithful to God and God made a very clear declaration that her faith in this case blessed her. Uh, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. But doesn't it seem still kind of strange that everybody in this reading seems to understand just actually how great this is? Or for that matter, that they even seem to understand what is happening at all. Even the unborn John the Baptist leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb. But this is actually kind of what makes this text one of the clearest uh, expressions of that hope that we find in Advent. That this faith that we should strive to emulate. (coughs) For it is Mary's faith in God's promises that allows her to sing joyfully in God's promises to her. So we should all joyfully sing with Mary in response to God's word. But you know that doesn't happen. Because we rarely like to sing songs that are as filled of joy and hope as the song that Mary sings here. Think back to that lovable tramp, the embodiment of all things cool, Tom Waits. In his early album, Small Change, he sings kind of a lot about his personal struggles with alcoholism. Um, One of my favorite songs from that album is The Piano Has Been Drinking. It can be considered kind of the artist's own self-parody of the real-life struggles he had. You know, and you can kind of tell because while he's singing this song, he's just playing the piano in a very haphazard manner, kind of crashing the chords, you know, without, with reckless abandon. And furthermore, he's kind of got a slur going on his voice. All of these things lead you to believe that the character he is portraying is not being that truthful when he sings, The piano has been drinking, not me, not me, not me. That's just my impression of Tom Waits, uh, for those of you not familiar with the artist's uh, work. (laughs) It's kind of a good thing that I have a little bit of a cold going on as well, so... (coughs) But in truth, behind this kind of humorous self-parody, the artist really is talking about his own personal struggles with alcohol addiction. Real pain, real emotions. All these things actually contributed to this song. Now, there's another song, a sadder song that I'm going to talk about um, that deals with another artist's personal struggles. And it's actually one of my favorite songs of all time. It's uh, Johnny Cash's rendition of Hurt. And I'll share some of the lyrics with you if you don't know this song, because 
I think that in this song you can almost feel the same struggle with drugs, the same uh, just regret, the same willingness to change yourself, and kind of the same realization that in some ways it can be too late to make changes. I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair, full of broken thoughts I can't repair. Beneath the stains of time, the feelings disappear. You are someone else. I'm still right here. The reason why we can relate to these words so much is because we're sinners. And more often than not, we actually can relate more to Tom Waits and Johnny Cash's words than to Mary's. And I bet you that Mary most days probably could relate to Tom Waits or Johnny Cash than to the joyful expression that she makes here. (coughs) Because we actually place our trust more often than not in things like alcohol or drugs, money, possessions, even our own standing. We actually make these things into gods. And that's actually... Uh, Martin Luther, if you've heard of him, uh, when he talks about the first commandment, uh, he actually lays it out pretty clear that to have a God is to put your trust into something. So when you worry so much about money and you worry so much about just work or, you know, getting uh, Christmas just right, um, you actually can forget to give honor and glory to God. So you actually are breaking the first commandment. We forget to acknowledge God. Yet, (coughs) thankfully, Mary's song isn't just good news for Mary. It's actually good news for all of us. Because in her womb, that child would be the very son of God. And from the moment the angel visited her, human flesh and blood were assumed into the Trinity. If you think a virgin getting pregnant is weird, the immortal God, who from before time existed, taking on human flesh and blood, and even stranger, the word of God would then have a name. Jesus. And this Jesus would actually spread the good news of the gospel to many people, proclaiming the kingdom of God. (coughs) And he would heal the sick and lowly. And you know what? Mary actually sings about this in her song. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Because this Jesus wouldn't just be the fulfillment of one promise God made to one person. Jesus is actually the fulfillment of all of God's promises to all people. And we see this because, believe it or not, Mary sings about this too. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Remember, Abraham, I was talking about that promise God made to Abraham. Well, the promise God made to Mary fulfilled Abraham's promise as well. So Jesus really is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And you know where we see this the most? 
We see this on the cross. Because on the cross, all of our impurity and all of our sin was vanquished. All of our pain and distress was given relief. The punishment that we deserved was taken on by Christ. And God died on that cross so that we would know that he's the Lord of all. Remember last week, you talked about Philippians. Uh, you read Philippians. And <coughs> what did it say? <coughs> Excuse me. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Nowhere else do we see that Jesus Christ is Lord than on the cross. And we know that he is actually the same God that made the promises so long ago to Abraham. Not only that, but in death because of Christ's exaltation there. We can actually look at the cross and remember that Christ has given us life and salvation. And because of this, we are no longer simply alcoholics or prostitutes or liars or thieves before God. We're actually children of God. And we have refuge in God. No longer do we need to be afraid or be confused by God's presence. We can rejoice in the Lord who tenderly invites us to follow him and to trust in him. So we can actually join Mary in her faithful song, trusting in God's promises. We can also choose actually to do the things that render the proper honor and glory to God. And all of those things that we personally struggle with, we actually are encouraged by the word of God and he sends us his spirit so that we can daily repent of our sins and daily understand the truth of Christ's death. But not just his death, because one day uh, all pain will be finished. One day we'll join Christ who on the third day rose again into a new body, a glorified body. And this is the body that God will give, kind of body that God will give us. We'll be glorified with him. And when Jesus returns, we'll know that all of our struggles are over. All of this peace and comfort afforded to us by Jesus Christ. And on that day, we will have something very joyful to sing about. So let this peace, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds on our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.